I get it. Okay, so we're going to jump into four truths today, so you know that. So when I get to number three, you know we only have one more. Uh, that's just for your own sanity. Um, but we're going to introduce this word that you're not going to see in Scripture, but we see it all around us every day with our words and with our actions and with our physical appearance and what have you. And it's this word posture. So for a couple of weeks as we jump through chapter two, you're going to hear us use the word posture ad nauseum. Okay? Um, but to help you better understand what we mean by posture. So Sam... Sam said, hey, I'll be your guinea pig, I don't mind, so just want you to stand up, you can sit right there if you want to, so turn around so everybody can see you, and I'm going to give you a word, and you give us maybe physically what that might look like, what kind of a posture might you show? Okay, so, but you're, you're a willing vessel, and for that we applaud you, okay, okay, hey, um, actually why don't you come over here, because I think for people that are not here that are sick, they're going to see nothing but the screen right now. So if you're on this side, I think you're good. So maybe right up here in front of me. Okay, there, you're good. So embarrassed. Was that embarrassed? Okay. <laughs> That's all right. Um, yeah, give us, give us defiant. Okay. I've never seen this one from you. I'm anxious to see this one. Angry. Oh! <laughs> I've never seen Sam angry. How about... How about empathetic? Okay. Uh, reserved. Okay. You just looked really cool there. I don't know if that was reserved. Um, contemplative. Okay. Contemplating. Yeah, that's you. Humble. Okay. Uh, reverent. Okay. <laughs> you just stay in that posture, and I'll just read the yeah, words. There you go. Right. Um, how about how about worshipful? Okay, worshipful. Okay, so there's the physical posture, and this one's a little bit more tricky. Um, yeah, he probably you'll be all right. Yeah, grab that one. That, grab that one. Or just stay back there if you want to. Okay. So how about verbal posture? How about what it might sound like for you to be conceited? Yeah, you guys, I'm, I'm pretty great. Like 30 degrees. I'm the best looking person in my family. I'm pretty happy. Okay, that's pretty conceited. Um, this one's really harder. How about passive-aggressive? Are you sure you want to wear that? Are you sure you want to wear that? Okay, how about uh, self-centered? Yeah, so let me tell you what happened to me. Me, I, I, me, me, I, I, me, me. So. Okay, how about others-centered? Yeah, how are you doing? How, how does that make you feel? I'm sure that was fun. Okay, I can go on and on and on, and we're going to let Sam off the stage now. This is the stage. Okay, now the, the point is... That when we have posture, you can show posture in the way that you stand. You can show posture with, obviously, your facial expressions or what have you. You can also show posture with the words that come out of your mouth. And you can show posture with your actions. Okay? These things that we do and these signals that we're sending to people, they're intentional. If we want people to know that we're reserved, we're going to let them know that. If we want people to know that I don't trust you, we're going to show that. Okay, but also sometimes we use our posture and our words for self, self-centered reasons. You know, this is a ridiculous example, but I'll share it. Like I may sit here and quote 10 verses of scripture that I've committed to memory, not so much because I want you guys to hear the word of God and understand the word of God, but because I want you to think that I'm smart and I study the Bible a lot. 
That sounds ridiculous. But these are the kinds of things that we can do. And we always have to check our motives to find out, well, why am I doing that? Because as we'll see, you can do good things, you can do right things, but your posture can be self-centered instead of God-centered. Okay, so there's a little bit about uh, just the word posture. Now, having that kind of a, 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 you know, a, a foundation, let's go back and look at this passage together a little bit more slowly, and we'll hit our points along the way. So, let's go to Philippians 2, 1 through 2 again. Okay, and I've tried, to, I've tried to either read or highlight or something like these key words that are here. So, let's look at it. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Paul says, complete my joy by being of the, and look at this, same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So here's this oneness again, and we just looked at this in chapter 1. In verse 13 of chapter 1, it says, standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side, for the faith of the gospel. So there's a definite posture that Paul is presenting to us as believers here that relates to the way that we are united, that we are one. Okay, and this goes back to Jesus' high priestly prayer that he prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one. And that quickly leads us to a review from last week and into truth number one, which is that Christian posture should always promote unity. Our Christian posture should always promote unity. That doesn't mean that we will agree on everything. In fact, the Word of God even says that it is to be used to rebuke and correct. So, you hear me? So, um, all scriptures God breathe and it's profitable for doing certain things and one of those is rebuking people and correcting them well you don't rebuke people and correct them if you're already in agreement so there should be a healthy dialogue where we're pushing one another toward truth but the way that we go about doing that should be different the way that we go about doing that should look different than the world we should be borrowing from the word of God we should be quicker to listen and slower to speak, and slower to become Sam kind of angry, okay? We should speak the truth, yes, but remember what the Word of God says? Speak the truth in, in love. We speak the truth in love. So posture can be shown um, with our bodies, but it can also be shown with our words and with our actions. These words, same mind, same love, full accord, one mind we are fighting to be on the same page to be thinking the same thoughts and to be entering into this work for the kingdom together united for the rest of our days so there's a posture of unity that should be a part of the, the body of christ it needs to be and when it's not we should check our posture and find out why not and, and we're going to continue, so as we get into point two and three, you might find where you have, are in need of making some adjustments. Let's go to chap, uh, verses three and four of chapter, looky there, I've got chapter one, that's actually chapter two. Okay, so chapter two, verses three and four. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, Sam, you sounded conceited a moment ago, um, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. 
And then he says, look each of you, or let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. You know, so I mentioned this a moment ago, but Paul even says in chapter 1 that there's people that are preaching the word of God, and he says that they're doing so for selfish ambition, okay? Um, You can do amazing things. I can do amazing things. I can do right things. I can take all of my stuff and go give it to goodwill, but the posture in my heart may not actually be toward God. It may be toward self. I may not really care about these people that I'm trying to help more so than I do of getting rid of my stuff or letting the world know that I am a giver or whatever. Listen, our hearts are deceitfully wicked. We have this stuff in our hearts. We can do good things and right things, but have a self-centered posture. Okay, now Paul's not saying that you don't take care of yourself. In fact, it says it right here. You know, you are to look out for your own interest as well. You know, your, your job and your food and your clothing and your self-care, that should be a part of you just living and being a good steward of this life that God has given you. But what he's saying is, but you don't stop there just focusing on yourself. There's these six amazing words. And if you hear nothing else that I say today, these six amazing words could change your life and my life if we begin employing them into our daily living. Here they are. They're right here. Count others more significant than yourselves. Not equal to, not as good as, but better than. You know, more significant than. That's tough. So when I look at this, I'm like, okay, so here's my questions. Do I and do you present a posture that embraces community or isolation? You know, are you fighting to be in community with people? Or are you really saying, I'm here because I'm supposed to be here? But the truth of the matter is, I just want to be about to repent because we should be about the things that God is about. And God is always about community. He's always about the church. The church is the assembly. The ecclesia is the word that's used. It's the assembly of believers coming together. We're, we're united, but we're together. We should fight for that. Um, do we have a posture of humility? Or do we have a posture of arrogance? Or what would other people say? Does Jerry have a posture of humility or is it more of arrogance? Um, do I have a posture of caring for others deeply or mainly focused on, you know, being focused on good old you know, number one? What is our posture? And as I began to work through these things and check my own heart, it wasn't pretty. I just found just stuff in my own heart that I was confessing to the Lord and it was ridiculous that these, these things could come out of me and these wrong motives and these self-centered motives and just so much isolation that's there. And there's no room for self-centeredness in the body of Christ. So we saw it in chapter 1, verse 6. I probably quote it every week. He began a good work in you. He'll carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So if you find yourself realizing, I'm much more self-centered than I realized that I was, well, guess what? The Lord's not done with you. You know, he, he's, he's revealing these things to us so that we can be more like Christ. I remember years ago, before it was priceless, I remember it was IGA grocery store. And I don't know why, but I've had really bad experiences with that grocery store. It's the closest grocery store to my house. You know, but I would come out of the store and I would go tell my kids, it was like, I had another episode, you know, and I would, and I would tell them things like, I'm just going to give, you know, one example. And this is a true story, by the way. So there's like the orange shirts or whatever they wear. They were like everywhere, but there was only one register open. And you know what I went to purchase? A Diet Dr. Enough. That's it. 
just a diet doctor enough. That's all I wanted. It was 89 cents. You can't beat that anywhere, right? So I'm getting my diet doctor enough, and I'm standing in line, and I'm just not a patient person. I'm really not. It's like, hey, do y'all realize I'm here? Move out of the way. Let me up front. That's my posture. And I was presenting that posture kind of the way that I was in line. So the guy in front of me, he comes up, and he just kind of, you know, dumps stuff. And it was a Coke. It was uh, definitely beef jerky. I remember that. It was beef jerky. It was some candy and just, just a bunch of stuff, right? And then she's like, okay, that'll be, you know, 348. And he starts, you know, then he's not ready yet, but he starts, oh, yeah. So he pulls out a dollar and he pulls out another dollar and then he pulls out his pocket and he starts, you know, doing change. He's throwing the change down. And then eventually he's like counting it. And, okay, just picture what your posture might be there in that situation. It, just imagine what mine was. I was late, I wanted a diet doctor enough, and this is what I'm dealing with. And I just remember he turned around and looked back, and there was a line, and everyone else had the same posture as I did. So I'm not the only sinner, we were all sinners. And, um, and he says this statement, and he was like, hey, I'm 14 cents short. He said, sometimes you're just 14 cents short, aren't you? And I'm like, no, I didn't say this, but I said, no, sometimes you put the beef jerky back, you know? And I just remember walking out of the store being frustrated. And for whatever reason, that story came to my mind this week as I was thinking about my posture. Because what I was truly saying to him was, it didn't come out with my words, but you're lower than I am. I'm better than you. And we do that kind of stuff all of the time. What is your posture when you're standing in line? You know, are you the one that's trying to show everybody it's really about me and you guys need to get out of the way? Even this past week, there was a couple from church that's actually not here this morning. And if you know my, my rhythms on a weekly basis, you know that Tuesdays are my leave me alone day. So Tuesday is my heavy. I mean, like we do sermon prep. We do that on Mondays. We dig in and start looking at the passage, usually two weeks ahead of time. So on Monday, I start reading it and thinking about it. But on Tuesday... I get commentaries, I get my Bible, I go somewhere alone, and I basically tell my wife, you will not see me until at a minimum I have at least an outline. At least an outline. If I don't have an outline, I'm not coming home. Okay, And I'm being serious about that. That's probably not healthy, but that's what I do on Tuesdays. And this last Tuesday, there was a couple in our church, and um, they were just having some you know, things going on in life, and it was, they were in a hard place in life and just some struggles, and um, they you know, wanted to know if I was at the office. Said, yeah, I'm here. So I was upstairs at the coffee company, and they came to visit me, and I just found this posture in my heart. I wanted so badly to look at my watch. You know, we, we kept talking, and I'm like, do you not know it's Tuesday? You know, and they were really hurting. And they walked away, and it wasn't until I was doing sermon prep that the Lord gently reminded me, even in that moment, Jesus didn't do that. I mean, Jesus is going down the road. Here comes a lady with an issue of blood. He brings healing to her. Someone else says, you know, okay, can you come this way? He goes that way. He just continues to navigate from person and a situation, and he does it with compassion. His posture was others-centered. Mine was, it's Tuesday. You probably need to go now. God help us all to be others centered consider this word from romans 12 3 for by the grace of god given to me i say to everyone of um, among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think you know how highly do you think of yourself 
and you may say, really not that high. Well, how about if you're standing in line with the guy that's 14 cents short from um, IGA or whatever it is because he decided to get beef jerky? You know, do you, do you love him in this moment? Or do you present a posture that says that you are better? You know, doing the right thing with the right motives is what we're going for. But Christianity should be laced, laced with a humility. Just laced with a humility that reminds us that we are hopeless and we are helpless apart from the gospel. We're nothing. He reached down and he saved us because of his great mercy, but it wasn't because of anything good that we have done. And it's a humility that has us boasting in him and him alone and that enables us to see everyone, everyone as significant and not only significant, but more significant than ourselves. I had a buddy, um, he used to work with me. His name was Willie Church and he lived here in Elizabethan and he was a great man and he passed away a few years ago and I've never seen that many people at a funeral before. And Willie, um, he used to... Um, mow like 30 yards for these these widows you know in, in elizabeth and he would say hey can i leave and go home a little bit early today i got a bunch of yards that i need to mow and he just did that all of his life until he finally couldn't do it anymore and he passed away but i remember going to his parents funeral and i went to the funeral home and he wanted to introduce me to this little lady and and he did and he introduced you know me to her and her to you know to me and this exchange that took place in the way that he introduced us it was really comical but it was what he did every single day of his life he made me look like the smartest most brilliant the best school administrator that's ever walked on the face of the earth and then he made her look like she was just so important and it was funny he said i'll be back in a minute he walked off and she just shook her head and she said when willie church is introducing you she's going to make he's going to make me look like a queen and make you look like a king because that's just the way he is isn't he and i was like yeah it really is and it was genuine and it was real seeing the good in people, seeing the potential in people, and being able to speak into their life on a regular basis, man, it's a good thing, which leads us to truth number two. And you can fill these out in your worship guide. And my wife reminded me a couple weeks ago not to go too fast because people didn't have time to actually write theirs down. So there you go. You know, but even like as I think about COVID, you know, and masks or no masks, you know, consider the needs of other people more important than your own. Christian posture should be one of humility. God hates pride. He opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, is what the Word of God says. We should be a humble people. I borrowed this from Jeremiah. We were, we were doing a little sermon prep last week, and he says, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. I've heard that before. I was like, wait, can, what? can you say that again? And it's so true. It's not thinking less of yourself, but you're thinking of yourself less because you're putting Jesus first, then you're putting others second, and then you're putting yourself last. That's where our joy comes from. That's where our joy could from, come from if we would begin to truly put the needs of others before ourselves and to see everyone as more significant than ourselves let's continue because i got to get a point number four because point number four is the foundation for everything that we're talking about so go back to the word 
I'm, I'm back in chapter one again, which is a complete mistake. That should be chapter two. And I've proofread this 38 times, and I still got it wrong. Okay, so chapter two, verses five through eight. It says, having this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be uh, grasped. But he emptied himself, so you see actions, and this is where I'm going. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So if you look at Jesus in his posturing, you'll see in truth number three, the posture of Jesus is the standard that we must follow because we see in Jesus these actions, okay? Jesus empties himself. Okay, well, I'm a Jesus follower. Then my posture should be toward the needs of other people. Jesus takes on the form of a servant. Well, then we have to, if Jesus is living within us, we have to serve others. We cannot just be serving ourselves. He humbled himself, and our posture should be one of humility before God and man. And the word of God says, if you say that you love God in 1 John, but you do not keep his commandments, it says you're lying to yourself. Our posture has to be one of obedience. Jesus obeyed even unto death, and our posture should be that we continue to obey as well. This has to be our posture, because this is who Jesus is. Let's continue. Verses 12 and 13 of chapter 1, which is really 2. Therefore, my beloved as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Just quick pause there. Paul's looking at the church of Philippi and saying, you guys are obedient. I see you all as an obedient church. So he's not coming down on them for not being obedient. I and mean, he sees that they're continuing to be obedient, but he's pushing them toward this understanding of why it needs to continue. And he says, work out so as I've jumped into common commentaries to find out what's being said in the Greek here, it's being, you know, living out, work out or live out your salvation with fear and trembling or with a holy reverence. Well, why do we need to do so? It says it right here. For it is God who works in you. Don't, don't, don't read that one too fast, people. It is God who works in you to will and to act for his good pleasure. I mean, these two verses are the key to everything that we're talking about. They are the foundation that allows us to be able to move forward and to live a Christian life. God has a plan for each of us that are in here. It's a script. It's a series of these intentional roads. And we are to work out or live out or navigate our way on these trails that he has planned for us. And when he ascended into heaven, he said, don't worry, I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to come back, and he did. And see, he sent his Holy Spirit to live within us. 
And therefore, if you are a believer, I'm speaking to you. If you are not a believer, pay close attention because the potential is there that you could understand and embrace this gospel that will change your life. But Jesus does come back in the form of the Holy Spirit. And then I will say this, he will come back in bodily form one day to to just take us to be home. But he's already come back in the form of the Holy Spirit to live within us. The the Word of God says that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Acts 17, 28 says that in Him we live and we move and we have our being. He is now turning this into a verb. He is now tabernacling with us. He is not distant from us. He will never leave us, nor will He ever forsake us. If you are a believer... Creator God has taken residence within you. And He began a good work in you, and He'll continue it until the day that you die. But the key to this, the thing that we must embrace, it is God who works in you. It is the Creator God who creates things like oxygen that come off plants that enable us to be able to breathe. It is creator God that one random day while inside of the mother's body says now and begins the heartbeat that will continue all of our days. It's God who works in us. It's an amazing, powerful thing. And I had one of these moments on Thursday this week. I went to the top of Rome Mountain with my my buddy Adam and we were sitting up there and I'm like, hey, dude, you got to go do your thing because I got to work on sermon for a while. And I just sat up there and you remember Thursday. Thursday was just beautiful. And you can just see the mountains forever. And you, just, you cannot help but see a little bit, just a taste of the magnitude of what was said throughout the Old Testament of God Most High. He was the biggest God of all of the little G gods that existed. He was God Almighty. He was the creator. And just recognizing that that God, who in the Hebrew, the word is an exenilio, he spoke out, out of nothing, all of this that I could see, that he would choose to open a way that I could come and be a part of him and that he could come live within me, it is God who works in us to will and to act according to his good pleasure. Holy reverence, which leads us to the last point. He and he alone is the one that enables us to posture ourselves and live the Christian life in a way that reflects his character. It's him. It's him and him alone. So when you read the Sermon on the Mound and you see Jesus saying things like, I don't care what they did, but you must forgive everyone who wrongs you. And yes, it's fine to love people that love you, but I am calling you to love your enemies and to have self-control and to not even have lustful thoughts to be meek, to be others-centered. And just go read the Sermon on the Mount. You can see these things in Matthew 5 through 7. He's presenting, he's presenting this, this, this standard that we can't achieve. We have no ability to achieve it. And the only way that we can do those things is if the God who is tabernacling with us and who is living and residing within us lives those things out. We must decrease He must increase, John the Baptist says. And it's true every single day. Oh God, may I decrease, 
may you increase because that is the only way, the only way that we can do these things that he's called us to and to reflect his character. It is for the God who lives within us to take over more of us so that when he sees the guy in front of him in IGA, he just loves him and he loves him well because he doesn't even see him equal as he's, he's better, he's more significant, and he's someone who needs love and compassion and a friend and some mercy and some grace in the same way that Jesus has given those things to us. And then our most important posture, you can see it if you go back to the Word and look at verse number 10. In verse number 10, our posture, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. There's a posture for you. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. One day, that's going to be the posture of all mankind. And it's impossible to bow and exalt yourself at the same time that you're bowing to worship God. Bowing takes humility. And what God's calling us to as we go through this book of Philippians is not just to learn more about what Paul was saying to the church of Philippi. He's calling us to be a humble people. So what's your posture? That's our word for the day. Are you trying to live the Christian life in your own strength? Or are you relying on yourself? Do you recognize that God has a plan and he's trying to carry out that plan? Are you bowing your knee in reverent respect day by day as you recognize that the God of the universe has taken residence within me and he wants to change the world through little old me? Do we recognize that? Because that will humble us. And if we can take these words, count others more significant than yourselves, for it is God who's working in you, and just quote those every morning when we get up, I think we would do better. I think we would be a more humble people. I think we would be a more others-centered people. And what I'm suggesting, and the Word of God is suggesting is, if Jesus is within us, then we must. Let's close. I'm going to ask us just to bow our heads and I'm asking you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal maybe some things that He needs to show you this morning and then we've, we've got time so we'll probably open that up to see if you have any thoughts. So let's just spend a moment in prayer together.